I can think of a lot about dirty stuff in a cave, but yeah, I'm not going to say it because yeah. my mom listens. <laughs> Welcome to Heat Red, She Red, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today's episode is a bit of a smorgasbord in which we're answering some listener questions, talking about our favorite bookish romances, checking in on our 2019 reading goals, and sharing a few books on our February TBR lists. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. We've never actually shared a TBR list on episodes before, But usually we share our reading wrap-ups in bonus episodes, and those are available on Patreon. So if you're interested in those episodes where we choose three of our favorite books of the month and talk about them, plus more, you can go to patreon.com slash hereadsheread and choose a monthly payment of one, three, or five dollars. Patrons who sign up at the five dollar level will get access to those bonus episodes and receive a couple of He Read, She Read bookmarks in the mail. They're really cute, if I say so myself. A little bit of a humble brag on that one, but they are awesome. I, it's, I mean, it's not that much of a brag because our friend Kim designed the colors and logo. Yeah. All I did was turn them into bookmarks. But, it we, really lo- was... but we love our logo and our colors. Yes. So. <laughs> okay, so again, go ahead and check that out at patreon.com slash hereadsheread. So let's start this smorgasbord off with some listener questions. Also, way to throw a tongue twister. <laughs> my usual intro, because I feel like you know, I nailed smorgasbord. That's my favorite kind of meal, though, is an incredible variety of different types of things. So we're just bringing that to the podcast this time around. Yeah. Incredible variety. Bunch of different stuff. It's the charcuterie board of here at She Read. <laughs> we're going to have to pick which of the categories is what thing on the charcuterie. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, right. let's do that. All right. So starting off with listener questions. Non-book related. What would we say that is? Crackers? Yeah, crackers. Of course. I like it's like it. the foundation of the episode. Automatically in sync. <laughs> All right. So uh, somebody wants to know, how did the two of us meet? Well. Which time? Well, we should start with the first time. Okay. The first time was in the summer of 2008. That sounds right. I had just graduated from high school and you had been in a Bible study in a girls group with my sister. So I knew your name, but we'd never met before. Yeah. And we were at a Relay for Life at our high school event. And you were hanging out with people that I actually hung out with for like a couple of years, but I had never met you through them. Mm -hmm. I always like to hang out with the older kids. So (laughs) yeah. Well, I think we've said this before, but you're two years younger than I am. Uh Uh-huh. So as I was graduating, you were going into your junior Junior year. year. Yeah. So we had hung around in the same circles, but we never really knew each other. Mm -hmm. Um, When we met, I remembered your name from conversations with my sister, but I was dating somebody at that time, and we were there together, so there wasn't like this automatic romantic connection, I would say. Oh, there wasn't? Well, on... (laughs) I speak for I speak for myself. Uh-huh. You, want to, you want to tell everybody from your angle how from that went? From my end, I met you and I probably talked to you for about a minute and you were like, I'm Curtis and I'm in the army and I have this nice deep voice, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you're cute. I didn't really say that. But then I ran back to my best friend and was like, I just met the man I'm going to marry. No big deal. And she was like, you what? <laughs> because I never talked like that and I didn't even really date in at that point in high school and like just it it totally came out of the blue I think it knocked her over well you went and did one up on that you went home and told your mom that same thing yeah I I don't know where it came from but I was convinced I didn't even know if I would ever see you again but as it turned out we did yeah that Christmas no it was Thanksgiving was it Thanksgiving yeah it was like a Christmas party though that the same group of people like They came back from college. They were all hanging out together Mm -hmm. and invited me because, like I said, I liked to hang out with the two years older crowd or whatever. Now, at this introduction, I couldn't put the connection back together. And I maintain it's because you had your curly hair in the summer 
And at this interaction, you did not have curly hair. It was very straight. I just don't think you remembered me at all because I don't think that the first time we met left any impression on you the way it did for but me. But I, I remember you from that first interaction. Like it, it. I think you remember from pictures and from me telling it to you. No, I... <laughs> We've been having this argument. For 10 years. <laughs> for 10 years. <laughs> for the people at home, I maintain that I have a terrific memory when it comes to th- places especially when i've been there so i can remember sitting on the turf of the football field and you weren't sitting on the turf you were sitting in a folding chair i remember looking <laughs> up at you okay here's also a funny story from that first interaction is there's a picture of you on the day that we met and there's a picture of my parents in the background oh really yeah I think we might have to pull that picture up for (laughs) the show notes. (laughs) We'll dig up some old Chelsea and Curtis photos. But needless to say, at that that second meeting, when it was either a Christmas or a Thanksgiving party, um, I was single and turned on the flirt. Turned on the charm. Turned on the flirt. (laughs) To be fair, we were all, like, everybody was flirting with everybody. It was the nature of the times. (laughs) (laughs) freshman in college you know just the way that it goes but yeah you were cute and I was, yeah i was <laughs> and confident did i not say that part but, but then so i think we started talking and then when you were home for christmas break we started hanging out yes, actually and then started dating the following spring mm-hmm. um, so there was a long time there where we were like talking but you were in minnesota for college i was still in wisconsin for high school we sent letters back and forth and i feel like we developed a strong friendship and then when we hung out again in the spring it was sort of like to see if there was a romance there Mm -hmm. well there was there definitely was (laughs) because 10 years later we're here Um, i remember when you told me that story about going to your friend and then going to your mom that you had met your future husband and i thought you were crazy town I didn't tell you that for a little while, though. No, but years down the line. When like, you I didn't me, tell you that until we started talking about, like... Getting married? Hey, this is the real deal. I wasn't going to freak you out with that right away or anything. But when we started talking about, like, this could be forever, then I brought up the story. Which I didn't believe you. And then we had to go to your mom for the record. Uh-huh. And I still thought you were crazy. Like, you hear those Well, then stories. you heard it, I think, from my best friend. Yeah. Who you know, like, can't tell a lie to save her soul. No. And then I think that cemented it for you. Yeah. But it was still weird. Like you hear about those stories in like books and movies and stuff. Oh my goodness. I, gosh, I was the most skeptical about stuff like that and was really not a romantic at heart, I guess. I mean, I think I am, but I I didn't like to show it. And I would have made fun of someone else who told me that. But it's just, yeah. And now I feel like I hear those stories all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. There's something to it. Well, so the second question is when or how did we know that the other person was the one? We've already established (laughs) you knew from from seeing me for the first time and hearing this deep voice that is now for podcast (laughs) production. Yeah, I saw you and I was like, hmm. We're going to make a podcast someday. Podcasts weren't even a thing back then. <laughs> I know. Um, I don't think it's the same thing as love at first sight, though. No. I think it was just this weird, deep sense of knowing that there was a like deeper connection there. But it wasn't love at first sight. So I don't really remember a moment where I really knew that you were like the one that I wanted to marry. Because I think that first moment that I said, oh, I met the man I'm going to marry. He's over there. Is so prominent in my brain. But do you have a moment where you remember that? Not really. Um, I think we had a luxury of knowing each other distance for the first year or so where we would just actually get to know each other and communicate. Like Mm -hmm. I remember doing Facebook messages of 20 questions and just learning everything that I could about you. And then when we actually went to school in Minneapolis together... It was, a, it was really a luxury where we had three years to date, get to know each other, be in each other's lives, and see each other through some difficulties and stress. I think it was when I came out of my like 
stressful depression period in college Mm -hmm. when you were a big component of like getting me out of that and standing by me and going through all that stuff that I knew it was for real and it wasn't something like if there was going to be a time where you were going to cut tail and run that would have been it so I knew then that you were in it for the long haul you loved me for me and we were gonna we were gonna do this thing and it was also uh, as I was getting done with RTC in college getting ready to think about career in the army I wanted you to be there for it so like when all that stuff started to get to be real then it was oh I guess I want Chelsea to be part of this and to be my wife yeah that's a good point I think that that time period and that was my first year of college which was really a big time for me and then you were in the middle of college and that was the first real test of our relationship or the first really tough trial that we went through together and I think that I mean every relationship is different but I do think that a lot of people are stronger if they go through something together yeah that's a good point that definitely I think our relationship changed after that Mm -hmm. kind of made us grow up a little quicker than a lot of other people do. Like we got married young. You were 21. I was 23. Gosh, we were babies. But we had been together a long time by that point. Yeah. And been through a lot of stuff. Old souls. <laughs> but you know, you, you get that way. It just doesn't happen randomly. You go through things. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's when I knew that it was for real. Good questions, guys. So we mm-hmm. so we laid the cracker foundation for this. Smor- <laughs> Literally the foundation of our relationship for this smorgasbord. Uh, now we're doing a little little checkup on our reading goals for 2019. Hmm. Little little check in. What, what do we Salami? call Salami? Prosciutto? A little, a little bit of the protein base for yeah. the for the charcuterie. Okay. Something to chew on. So for those that listened to our reading goals episode for 2019 that we came out with last month, we're just going to do a little checkup, see how we're doing. Um, you want to start off on? Sure. So my first goal was, well, is for 2019 to read at least 50 books by authors of color. I think it's a good time to like remind people that the the heart of the goal is to be not just something that you earn a sticker in your reading journal for or something that you can check off the list, but for it to be something that shapes your reading life and sets intention in order for you to actively incorporate that goal into your life naturally. And um, so, so far, so good. Um, I think I have read maybe five or six books so far by authors of color. That's like close to half of my reading it's that goal has helped me get through more books on my shelf like my unread shelf of books that I've owned for a while but haven't picked up and this goal has been motivating me to pick those books up another one of my goals is zero book purchases on Amazon and you're doing good yeah so this only counts for me like every now and then um Like right now, Tracy from the Stacks podcast is running a fundraiser for a couple of really cool organizations where you can click and order a book from Amazon and it gets sent to, like, I think one of them is specifically for Black women who are in the prison system. And so there's like a wish list on Amazon. You can click it and send it. Anyway, everyone should go check that out because what she's doing is amazing. But Link show notes. That to me doesn't like count for zero book purchases on Amazon because it's not for myself. Like it's for someone else. It's like if I was buying a a gift for someone in my immediate life, I might not do Amazon, but like this is the way to donate. So like that, or I have friends who need books for their classroom and they have an Amazon wish list. That stuff I, I don't count as zero book purchases on Amazon. We're talking for your individual. For me mostly. But this has been a really good goal. Um, I feel like, so my, I didn't purchase any books in January and I made it until today. (laughs) Today I did go to, um, a really wonderful independent bookstore, Commonplace Books in Oklahoma City. And I purchased two books. One of them is our March, going to be our March buddy read. And the other one I've been really wanting for a long time and every time I'm in a bookstore I pick it up and then put it back and I just today there was a pristine copy I just needed to get it and do it so that book is The Fire Next Time by um, Jasmine Ward 
or the fire this time the fire this, this time this the time. fire next time is james baldwin yeah, anyway <laughs> i also figured that would be good to pick up when we're reading beale street this month mm-hmm. just to get the baldwin influence and some modern takes anyway we'll keep the march buddy read a secret for a little bit longer suspense <laughs> um so anyway it's been good i think good for my wallets and good for me just reading more books that I already own. I've still been checking books out from the library, so sometimes that doesn't really help my unread shelf. <laughs> but um, it's also been really fun because that's that goal is how we got partnered up with Libro FM. And I'm really loving this partnership. So Audible is owned by Amazon. So us saying like no book purchases on Amazon, which I think you kind of decided you were going to do too. Yes. After seeing that it was possible, like it was possible for me to do it. You were like, yeah, I can do that too. Well, well, let's say that I'm doing it for my own consumption, the same Mm -hmm. that you are, but when I'm doing it for gifts, like for you, I might still buy it. (laughs) That doesn't seem right, but (laughs) (laughs) anyway, we had to cancel Audible because that's part of getting books from Amazon. There are other ways to go about it, about getting books. But we love audiobooks for road trips, for doing laundry. I listen to an audiobook almost every day when I walk pen. Um, so that is where our partnership with Libro FM comes in. So Libro FM allows you to purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite independent bookstore. So it's pretty much just like Audible where you go on, you have credits to use each month. It's only 15 bucks a month. But then when you pick out the book, the proceeds go to an independent bookstore instead of Amazon. So you can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks and they're adding more all the time. Lots of new releases, current bestsellers. And then just like you've got your favorite bookseller recommendation area in the bookstore, they have that on Libro too. So with Libro FM, you get the same audiobooks. Like I said, it's the same price as Audible. It's $15 a month, but you're supporting community and it's easy. You just need the Libro FM app and you can have that on any smartphone. So if you already love audiobooks and you don't know what to listen to next, go ahead and check out their curated lists or ask us what we have liked lately. And listeners of He Read, She Read can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. So three audiobook credits for the price of one. So $15 for three audiobooks, which is amazing. Steal. To do this, you can go to Libro FM. That's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M. And you can enter the promo code HRSR when you go to sign up for your membership. But we also include a link in our show notes and we have a link in our bio on Instagram too. And I really like Libro because I feel like when I'm listening to an audiobook, I'm supporting an independent bookstore. And that's part of where my goal from not purchasing from Amazon came from. Mm -hmm. I still like Amazon is an affordable way for people to get books. So I don't knock anyone for doing that. I think however you read is great, Mm -hmm. but... I think if you do have the funds to allocate towards independent bookstores and you can make that choice, it's a good one. Okay, my other goal was to keep a log of favorite quotes while I'm reading and do some more annotating to slow down. And I feel like I only do this with nonfiction. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. I do it for our buddy reads too. But when I'm reading fiction, I don't want to sit and highlight and underline. I just want to read for the sake of escaping and have it not feel like school or anything. (laughs) So I've been good about this with the nonfiction that I'm reading. Um, Or like every now and then I do find a passage that I really love, but I'm more likely to put a book dart in there if I'm reading fiction and go back to it later. So that one's kind of working out. I don't know. I didn't know if when you made the goal originally, you were thinking about limiting it just to nonfiction or is that kind of just in practice how it's coming out? I think the intention was just to encourage myself to slow down a little bit and relax more while I was reading instead of just like reading to finish a book. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. We'll come maybe come back to that in a few months when we do another goals update. <laughs> and see how it's going. Yeah. How about you? So my goals to start off with was I wanted to read 20 new books. Um, similar to what you were saying, just cutting down on the unread books that are taking over our bookshelves and 
floors and boxes and taking over our lives. Uh, so far, I have read four unread previously, so that's pretty good for me. Um, I only normally read about 30 books a year, so 20, two-thirds of that being new books, I think is a good goal. And just based on what I've been able to accomplish so far, I think we're doing pretty well, especially because I started grad school this semester mm -hmm. um, in January, so that has taken a lot of time away from my reading life. I think it's making me read smaller books because I'm, well, I'm goal-oriented person, so I've set these boundaries for myself. So in order to get to those numbers, I feel like I might be gravitating towards smaller books and getting to get through them and mm -hmm. finish them rather than taking the larger books. That's fine for the time of life that you're in. I mean, I think like anything, you just kind of go through periods like that where it just works better for you. That's a change, but well, we're getting around it. Mm -hmm. um, and then my rereading goal for the year was to get through Harry Potter. And I read The Sorcerer's Stone for the month of January and I don't really know how I'm going to do as far as pacing it out through the whole year but the first couple are pretty short so I might mm -hmm. pick up another one in February so one out of seven on that one well I think because you picked up the first book when you were kind of in a reading slump where you just didn't feel like reading anything like yeah. you were kind of in the middle of a couple of really long books and you just needed something so you I think kind of so you could get that sense of accomplishment of like oh I read something this weekend you mm -hmm. know yeah to propel you forward to finish the other books I mean and we've talked about previously on rereading episodes mm -hmm. that that's kind of the whole point is picking up an old favorite when yeah. you're in a little bit of a rut so I was in about three books and just picked up Sorcerer's Stone blew right through it and uh, kind of on this is the first time I've been rereading the series and I don't know. I, I kind of am excited for you to read it along so that we can talk about it. But I feel like I would like to try and keep up with you, even if I'm just maybe a month behind mm -hmm. with each book. Yeah. I have a lot to get through this, this month. month. Like yeah. I have a lot of um, reviews to write for publishers and stuff like that. So we'll see. I'm excited to read it. And then my last one was to read 10 new books by women or authors of color. So that's half of the 20 new books so for me getting away from my typical male thriller authors and getting mm -hmm. um different perspectives is from gender or race and i've got two out of ten already so one of them was our buddy read for last month song of achilles which mm -hmm. i'm still counting but i don't know if i'm going to count our buddy reads at the end of the year because that might be it make, make it a little bit too easy so this one might take some adjusting at the end of the year to see how we're actually going to score it yeah, out. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think you'll well exceed that goal. But again, it's not the check mark that matters. It's that you're being more intentional about branching out in your reading life and reading authors who the publishing industry often overlooks and ignores. And that's important. So I just finished up the N.K. Jemisin fifth season which mm -hmm. is uh the first in her broken earth trilogy that won a lot of hugo awards and is very well thought of in the sci-fi fantasy realm and it was really interesting it was not my typical fantasy um what not a clear-cut story there's like three converging storylines throughout the whole entirety of the book and it was the first fantasy that I've read in a long time that you have to actually look up stuff in the glossary because she throws you right into the action and mm -hmm. I could not keep up right away. So it was challenging to actually get through, which I will give her credit for. She's an, an amazing and accomplished writer and I'm glad that I got through it. So I think it's going to be a little bit of time before I pick up the obelisk gate, mm -hmm. um, which is the second in that trilogy, just because I want to give it a little bit of time to decompress. But it was very well done, very well written, good storytelling. So you liked it, but it was like you had to think. Like there was a lot more effort involved than your usual fantasy where you just feel like you're along for the ride. Not a lot of dialogue, which is what I'm used to in mm -hmm. a lot of my fantasy, and a lot more descriptions and using language that I'm not used to because she just develops a lot of her own stuff. Um, so I'm glad I read it, got through it, and would completely recommend it to everyone who's looking for a new fantasy author. And I'm looking forward to reading the rest of her books, but it was, it was a challenge. I'll say that. Yeah. I just, I, because you were like, when you say get through it, it sounds like you didn't like it, but I get that it was just tough to read. Just the format and then how it 
all converge together at the end. Like it sure. all, like it all, all three storylines. I'm not spoiling anything, but they all come together. Mm-hmm. It just took a while for that to get to the point. Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff that she's talking about just didn't make a whole lot of sense and required some rereading and looking up um, yeah. terms and stuff. But but I imagine as you move through the series, you'll probably like it even more since you kind of get acclimated to the world. I, I would, would say think. So. I would say so. Yeah. I'm still nervous to read it. I'm going to, but it really heard... intimidates me because I don't read high fantasy. Right. I don't really read much fantasy in general. And you've heard the same things kind of just along the same lines that I said, where she just throws you right into the middle mm-hmm. of everything. Yeah. So I, I encourage you to do it. I encourage everybody who's listening to read it. It was, it will probably be a reread in a couple of years for me sooner rather than later, just sure. to see if I can absorb the concepts again. But those are my goals, and I love how in our outline there's nothing on the side of yours, and on, on the side of mine I've got fractions for <laughs> <laughs> how I'm doing on my accomplishments. Because I'm a check-the-block type of person. So. Yeah, I think here's the thing with us setting reading goals, because some people don't like to set reading goals, and they're like, I just want to read to read, and I just don't want to think about it. But I think if you are the type of person that, you benefit from that checklist or checking the box to feel accomplished that reading goals can enrich your life and just make a difference. I I think of my reading goals last year, it was just a general read more books by authors of color and read more nonfiction. Mm -hmm. And that has completely changed my reading life to the point where those are the types of books that I gravitate towards naturally right now. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it's the specific enumeration that is causing me to actually read more. Yeah, that makes sense. Good. I mean, however you can make the system work for you. Mm -hmm. So that's our update on our 2019 reading goals. We'll probably do another checkup on this in another couple of months just to see how we're doing. Yeah, I would think so. Maybe like, I don't know, in the summer or fall. Yeah. Wait a few months. It'd be fun. This month is February. Valentine's Day is... February 14th, in (gasps) case anyone forgot. (laughs) It's not like it's the same day every year. I know. Um, What's your stance on Valentine's Day? We never really celebrated when we were dating. I still always get you flowers on February 15th because it was a special day as opposed to the Hallmark holiday. Why is February 15th special again? Because it was the day after Valentine's Day. (laughs) Oh yeah, we just made it up. We made it up. It was just something for us to be special just for you and me. Um, but I feel like since our date anniversary, your birthday, and our anniversary are all really close together, and your birthday—did you say your birthday? No. But after Valentine's Day, all those things happen. Yeah. There's for me. There's not a lot of emphasis on Valentine's Day. I, as I get older, like it a little bit more, just because I think, yeah, it's cheesy and whatever. But I think it's kind of nice to have a day now and then where it's like well, hey, there's this day and you can be intentional about doing something nice for someone you love. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, everybody listening, don't at me for saying that it's Hallmark holiday and it's not worth celebrating. That's not what I said. No. (laughs) And I think we've sort of changed our stance on it to now we're a little bit more willing to maybe do something special, whether it's for Valentine's Day or like just whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of nice. I do, I'm a... 100% 100% firm believer in Galentine's Day. Of course. Because Leslie Nope. <laughs> well, and you had a big Galentine's Day year this year. Oh my gosh, yeah. So. <laughs> I, it's going to take me a while to recover. <laughs> if people don't know what we're talking about, just look up the hashtag on Instagram, hashtag Bookstagram Galentine's Day, and you'll, you'll figure it out you'll, real quick. You'll get caught up. But on the subject of Valentine's Day, we're talking about our favorite literary romances. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if there was going to be like a... I didn't have a jingle prepared. I can, I mean, I can maybe insert, insert some kind of sound effect. <laughs> That's really annoying. <laughs> um, so I actually didn't have difficulty picking out this stuff. I think it's because I'm more romantic than you are? Question mark? Yeah, I... All right, well, we'll get to me later, but I want to hear about your favorite literary romances. Well, I'm kicking it off with a classic, uh... Benedict and Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing, William Shakespeare. I don't know if we've mentioned anything about this before, but we both love plays. We love going to the theater, (laughs) and Shakespeare is a big influence, and um, we usually go to an outdoor theater back home every summer that would put on Shakespeare. Um, 
so I love this play specifically because it's two characters who are kind of very into the verbal word, like wordplay, cutting each other. Um, from the first scene, they're talking about there's a kind of merry war betwixt Signor Benedict and Beatrice, and they just enjoy cutting each other and like with the little snide comments. And Benedict says that he's you know never going to get married. He's just going to be the soldier and be loyal to Don Pedro. And then Don Pedro is like, you know what? I'm going to be this matchmaker behind the scenes and pull strings. I'm going to get these two to love each other. And, you know, they fall for it. They get tricked and fall into this trap and confess their love to each other, each thinking that they know what the other's thinking. And I really love the presentation of their letters at the end of the play where they're like, um, Beatrice was trying to be like, oh, I always knew that you loved me and trying to be like all aloof. And then all of a sudden her letter gets produced and she's like, oh, I guess I have to admit that I love him too. (laughs) (laughs) But I I love that play. I feel like it's very well done from a wordplay perspective. And we've already kind of said that we enjoy wordplay and sarcasm. And we get a little bit of the Benedict and Beatrice where we make fun of each other. (laughs) I, they're fun. I think the enemies to lovers trope is fun. Mm-hmm. And then they're they're older. Shakespeare kind of teases and they make fun of their age, but there are a couple of older characters that end up finding romance and falling in love. And I actually really, really like the Joss Whedon version with Nathan Fillion. Do you see these hard eyes that I'm giving you right now? <laughs> you didn't even let me talk about my favorite versions, but like I like I really like that one. Yeah. I like the Kenneth Branagh and the Emma Thompson one from the 90s, but I think my favorite one is the Joss Whedon one from a couple years ago. It might be mine too. Mainly I... because of Nathan Fillion as Dogberry because he does a fantastic yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> I always Wait, is he what? Yeah, he's Dogberry. Mm-hmm. He's the guard. I forget. He's the one uh that says I mean, I know who Dog Curtis. You know, you I know, know who Dog Barry is. <laughs> Don't try me on Shakespeare, <laughs> buddy. If you, <laughs> you're wishing this was a visual. <laughs> I would like to describe the icicles shooting out of your eyes just then when I tried to explain who Dog Barry was. Don't mansplain Shakespeare to me. Nope. Um. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Okay, who else do you like? So um, next one is a little bit... Okay, so we're going from classic Shakespearean to George R.R. R. Martin Game of Thrones with Jon Snow and Egret. So I do love Kit Harington and Rose... Is her name Leslie Rose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are actually married in real life? Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is super cute. Like, yeah. that's just they're, a side... They're adorable. Um, nice thing. I, I love the show romance, but more so I'm talking about the book Storm of Swords because that's my favorite book in the Song of Ice and Fire series. I think it does a very good job of showing them from, you know, they don't really trust each other to start off with, but she puts herself on the line for him multiple times to try to save him and kind of not really, well, I guess you could say corrupt him into her way of life, but it's I like it from the perspective of John has this perspective of who the wildlings are and she's trying to show them that look, we're just people, we're trying to live and then they genuinely fall in love with each other. And plus that scene in the caves. I mean, it's better in the book though, right? Yeah. Like, oh gosh, okay. But. <laughs> Don't get too excited. But they they genuinely love each other. And that's my favorite book in the series. And a big component of that is their relationship. I so. will say, read the cave scene, that I really like that it's a twist because Jon Snow is a virgin and Egret is the more like experienced person. And I think that you don't see that as often where mm-hmm. it's usually the roles are reversed but and it's so also that's the, really sweet it's the literal representation of you know nothing Jon snow yeah um <laughs> i i do so that's one of the books that i actually did read mm-hmm. and i did really like that book and i liked their plot line and i think that the depth of their relationship came across a lot better in the book than in the show 100 percent agree in the show it's really like there's so much tawdry sex that it just mm-hmm becomes one of those things Mm -hmm. but in the book it's so much more than that well there's more conversations between the two of them in the the books and it gets more into them talking to each other but that came about because we're re-watching the show Mm -hmm. um so it came to brine but it also is my favorite 
from the book series. Yeah. So I don't know if that's been discussed yet. So there's already this theme of like, you tend to kind of like romances where they don't like each other at first, and then they end up coming around later. I wonder why that is. But we liked each other right away. (laughs) So it doesn't really reflect our relationship at all. I don't know. I think I just like challenges and overcoming obstacles in relationships and how that's represented in story. I do, and we'll kind of see this with some of my favorite, but I like the will they, won't they kind of tension a lot, which sometimes is there with the like enemies to lovers kind of trope. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, that just well, so it's popped e- out at me. It's either the enemies to lovers trope or it's the trauma. Trauma. Trauma at the start. So this is my third one I'm going to talk okay. about is uh, from Vince Flynn's Mitch Rapp series is the titular character with his wife Anna Riley who is a NBC White House correspondent and Mitch Rapp is a CIA contract assassin so the first books where we meet them is Transfer of Power where Anna is in the White House that gets taken over by terrorists the book kind of got borrowed from for White House Down or for all those things Um, but Mitch essentially goes in the book was first the book came out first those movies borrowed from the book and it was a whole controversial thing. Um, so Mitch goes in and rescues her from terrorists who are going to kill her and rape her. Um, and then they start to have a little bit of the enemies to start where she is trying to be the typical reporter correspondent and he's trying to rescue everybody in there. And it doesn't really start off like there's going to be anything romantic. And then it goes into... They actually start dating and have multiple books where they develop. And one thing I really like about Vince Flynn as an author is he's very good about showing PTSD and how that affects relationships as like an underwriting tone. So Mitch, his girlfriend in college was on the Lockheed Martin flight that got shot down in 1983 that had a lot of Syracuse people on it. So she was a victim of a terrorist attack in the story. So he's been broken by that for years, hasn't trusted anybody, hasn't been able to like willingly give himself to anyone emotionally. And then Anna comes into his life and kind of puts him back together in a way. So that's one th- a scene that I like was when she's talking about like touching him on the back of his neck and actually like going through his hair, which is something like if you're in the military or have a background in law enforcement or something like that. You don't like people touching you on the back of your neck. I don't know if you've ever had that reaction from me. Well, (laughs) I mean, like for you, it's fine. But if anyone did it unexpectedly, I wouldn't like it because I don't, I think in general, a lot of people don't like anyone coming up from behind them without realizing it. Mm -hmm. But when there's trauma involved, yeah, that's scary. Yeah. But I like their relationship um, mainly from a lot of the stuff we talked about previously They make fun of each other and are sarcastic to each other. And I think that they've, it's a, the best representation of a good quality romance and marriage in those type of books that I've seen. Like some of those authors, um, like a Brad Thor, um, they have like on again, off again relationships, Mm -hmm. but in this one, um, there's a steady romance. Well, um, would you say, I mean, I think I probably should read it for myself, but do you think Anna's a more fleshed out character than some of the other women in those books? Yes, mainly because she's represented like more throughout each of the books and has her own, you know, storylines through all of them. Mm -hmm. And they have their ups and downs throughout the series and that gets represented. I think so. We were talking about picking a book for each other and reading it. I don't know if I'm going to pick anything from the the thrillers well i'm just saying for like future because when you were explaining that book that sounds like something i would like to read Mm -hmm. but that relationship sounds like a lot of the romance novels that i've read and so i think it could be really fun to for you to pass like a vince flynn to me and for me to pass like a tessa dare or something or julia quinn to you all right so you want to talk about your romances well okay so I do read romance, even the like bodice ripper paperbacks, like what people think of as like the cheesy romance. But when I was thinking about some of my favorites, I was looking at Goodreads and thinking about like what I like in a 
romance for books and I don't read those romance novels necessarily to like really care about the characters and their relationship it's more because they're formulaic and they allow me to turn my brain off mm -hmm. and there are a few of them that I really do like and maybe I connect with the characters more but overall I am not super drawn to romance in books other than for that like trashy tv kind of factor where like oh I'm just reading this for fun and because it doesn't require a lot of thought for me right um, which isn't to say that they aren't, there aren't some really good books in that genre. It's just, that's not why I read them. But in terms of book romances, I do really especially love books where there are really strong female friendships. And that's a different kind of romance. I mean, I think like, you know, that's what Galentine's Day comes from of celebrating a different kind of love. Um, so three of my favorite books that have really strong female friendship at the center of the book, and that's the main focus, even if they have some romantic subplots. Um, Dear Mrs. Bird by A.J. Pierce is one of my favorites, and the whole entire plot really revolves around the two main female characters and their relationship, even though they each have some side romances. Um, we Are Okay by Nina LaCour. There is an element of romance to that book, but the core of it is friendship and family and just like a very different kind of love story. And I really, really love that one. And then Iron Cast by Destiny Soria. And that one is a really good example of strong female friendship too. So those are three books that came to mind a lot easier than me picking my favorite romances because like I like Anne Shirley and Gilbert Blythe because they start as friends. They start as teasing each other. They don't like each other. It's kind of like the trope that you really like. Right. Um, and of course, like Elizabeth and Darcy are sort of the same way, like don't like each other. There's that good tension there. But I didn't want to talk about the classics because I just think like, everybody loves those for a reason they've stood the test of time um but when I think about the newer books that I've read I definitely notice that I'm more affected by the stories where the relationships are family and friends and where I like romance and obviously like I said I read romance novels but it's not necessarily because I get super invested in the characters I might like them but they don't leave enough of an impression on me. Whereas I just kind of like to read those because they're fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also really like, these aren't romances, but there's sort of like a romantic tension, which I really like. I think I almost like like a romantic tension rather than a relationship in a lot of books where it's that like I said, will they, won't they kind of thing. And so some of my favorite mysteries, like we've talked a lot about the Cormoran Strike novels, and there's that element with Cormoran and Robin where there's definitely a spark there, but they don't want to act on it. I really like that. And then um, in some of the mysteries that I read, like the Veronica Speedwell and Lady Sherlock mysteries, there are romantic elements, but it's really just like this romantic tension that you're just waiting to be resolved and I like that a lot so so between the two of us we like the will they won't they mm -hmm. kind of vibe starting off with they definitely don't like each other and then it develops into something I like more of the broken characters that somehow find love at the mm -hmm. end and then you like your lady romances well not lady romances but like how, how did you describe that friendships friendships like it's yeah that's a different kind of romance, I think. Yeah. I, I'll i have to think about this. I, I've been thinking about this for a while, and I think maybe I've just turned it around in my brain for too long. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. It might just be a Chelsea's overthinking situation. But could, could be. And we can say that we really liked our January buddy read as a romance with Patroclus and Achilles in Song of Achilles. Oh, yeah, totally. Good one on that one, too. Well, we never said what that one was going to be on the charcuterie board. Ooh, okay. Definitely the cheese. The cheese for you know, sure. romance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheesy. Well, <laughs> classic Laura. So now we're getting into the last little segment where we're talking about our February TBR. What do you want to call this? Like a little little fig? Little fig jam. Little fig jam. A couple little, of almonds. Yeah, just little toppings. Grapes. Little toppings at the end. Yeah. A little salt, little salt bay action. That's not what you... The charcuterie board is already salty. You would not sprinkle salt on it. <laughs> okay, I'll lead off um, with The Hemingses of Monticello. 
An American Family by Annette Gordon-Reed. So this was a National Book Award winner for history, same with the Pulitzer Prize, and kind of contradicts everything I said at the front end where I'm trying to read shorter books. I was going to say, this one's long. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but it's uh, by a author of color and a female author and Black History Month. So I felt Mm -hmm. like it'd be a good one to pick up and see a historical time period that I'm familiar with from a different perspective. So it covers the Hemings family um, in Monticello during the time of Thomas Jefferson. And I think it ends right when Jefferson dies. So it goes Mm -hmm. through that whole time period and uh, chronologically with the whole family. Yeah. So I'm interested to read it. It's started another checklist for me where you brought up maybe I should start reading all the Pulitzer or National Book Award for history. Check them off the list. You love a check mark. So that's what I'm going to start here soon and hopefully I'll have done by the end of the month. But we'll see. So maybe it'll make it to the reading wrap-up this month for Patreon. Yeah. Um, Similarly, I'm reading a super long historical nonfiction book, um, The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson, which I think I've talked about wanting to read on the podcast a lot, but I actually started reading it, especially encouraged by um, Spines Vines on Instagram. She is running like a buddy read for the warmth of other sons and i'm not good at buttery buddy reads except for like with the two of us because mm-hmm. there's that like really specific like we're in person conversing about it and it's for the podcast that kind of thing i'm not great at buddy reads on instagram otherwise but it was a good push for me to pick it up um and i think like you said obviously we should be reading books by black authors year round, but Black History Month is a good reminder and opportunity to dig into a history that you don't know as much about or um, parts of black history that have been overlooked in America's narrative. So I think with both of these books, that's the case. Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to read it. And then I just have a bunch of February releases. Um, So thank you to the publishers for The Hunting Party, Enchanté, Enchanté. (laughs) Mm. and The Huntress, which just came in the mail today, and I flipped out. There was an audible gasp where I thought there was a mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am so excited. That one was a complete surprise in the mail. So um, a lot of my reading priority goes to those books since... Um, they were graciously sent to us. So yeah, it's going to be a good reading month again. Okay, we can get to our recommendations for the week. You want to lead off? Recommendations of the week is like on the charcuterie board. It would be like not the charcuterie, it's the wine. What is your recommendation of the week? So I'm kicking off with Supernatural which interesting throwback for a wreck which has which has come up in conversations over the last week or so because you equated it to some of your like romancy type stuff and soap operas and i fought you on it and then realized that you were probably right Um, (laughs) which is how it usually goes in our relationship with literally anything (laughs) of course so some people might be listening to this and be like supernatural wasn't that a thing like 10 years ago yes it was and now it's still on so um i just finished up the 13th season on netflix because season 14 is currently ongoing on the cw and they just hit their 300th episode which is insane to think so many episodes and they just got renewed for season 15 oh my goodness they're just gonna do it until they're 80 years old and Supernatural is one of those shows that like you've watched it for a long time and I have only picked up things about it because I watch it from the periphery, but I've never watched a full episode with you or on my own. (laughs) Well, during this last season, um, watch through on Netflix, there was a Scooby-Doo episode. (laughs) So I was very confused. Like you see the Winchesters and they're just all of a sudden animated with Scooby and the gang and you're like, what's going on? (laughs) It's it's Supernatural. (laughs) But, but yeah, for those of you that didn't think it was still on the air, just hit 300 episodes and renewed yeah. for a whole other season. So I'm here for it. I don't I know if like anybody else is. I feel like at this point, I can't get into it now. Oh, it's it's not for you. It's for me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm, st- I'm still into it years later. 
Uh, what's your recommendation for this week? My recommendation of the week is Instant Hotel on Netflix. Now, I don't know how you found this, but it has taken over our lives for the past couple of days. <laughs> it was on, like, newly added or popular. I don't know. It popped up. But whatever the reason was, I'm very glad that it happened. So Instant Hotel is an Australian reality TV show where couples participate in an Airbnb competition to see who's quote, instant hotel, they can't, they say Airbnb on the show, but they couldn't like title it Airbnb, um, see whose is the best. And it's just a lot of fun. I think if you like competition shows, HGTV and drama, Oh, the drama. There's a lot of infighting. Like it is, this is a turn away from the great British Bake Off because these people are not nice to each other. They are not helping each other out. There's a lot of like... It is cutthroat. There's infighting. There's strategy as far as like... Because they have to rank the other people's hotels and then everybody scores each other. So if you're like really mean on the front end, mm-hmm. then it's going to come back to bite you later. Oh yeah, it is. But it's so entertaining and addicting. Yeah. Like it's the complete opposite of sweet... Mary Berry mm-hmm. and all of the British baking show people that are so nice to each other, like contestants that'll help you with the plating. This is like they're bashing each other from the get go as soon as they get into these yeah. Airbnbs. But they're really nice places. Like, and I felt like that is where you're seeing different parts of Australia. Yeah, and what... it's cool. I mean, Australia is not even a place where I've thought of like, oh, I want to go there someday. Mm-hmm. But it's fun to see. And, like, really see the area and see the homes and stuff. Yeah. Well, everything's on the coast like mm-hmm. for all these tourist destinations because they love surfing. There's a lot of coast in Australia, hun. It is an island. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for one of these just to on the next season or something to be, like, a desert oasis getaway because everything so far has just been yeah, on the water. It'd be interesting. Yeah. All right. We want to say thank you to everyone for subscribing and sharing He Read, She Read. We love reading your comments, posts, and reviews each week. Reminder that our buddy read for this month is If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin, and that episode will air February 26th. We're recording that with our friends Britt and Rich, who were on our intro episode this month. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, please do. Those written reviews make a huge difference in how we reach listeners, and they brighten up our day. Connect with us on social media or email. You can find us Twitter and Instagram at HeRedSheRed or email us at HeRedSheRedPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, the couple that reads together. You should have asked if I had one before you started. I can think of a lot about dirty stuff in a cave, but yeah, I'm not going to say it because yeah. my mom listens. <laughs> the couple that reads together. Has already decided they will. Huh? Instead of will they or won't. I don't know if that's going to click right away for people. Because it didn't click right away for you. (laughs) Maybe everyone else is smarter than I am.